a really dirty, grungy little boy came in from playing outside and he ran up to his mom and said, Mommy, who am I? Well, she thought for a moment and she said, Are you Tarzan? The boy said, The lady down the street sure was right. About what? asked his mom. She said, I was so dirty, my own mother wouldn't recognize me. (laughs) Jesus asked his disciples, Who am I? And in a sense, he asks us the same question as we're poised here in the early part of Lent. Who am I? This morning, I want to begin with the end of the scripture passage that that Jim read for us. This very last verse of Matthew, it says, Then he, Jesus, sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Jesus asked the disciples to tell him who they thought he was and Then he proceeded to tell them not to tell anyone. At first glance, it makes me think of of the show I grew up with, The Lone Ranger. He didn't want anyone to know his identity. And most of us remember that line that was in nearly every single episode, Who is that masked man? Who is that masked man? Well, scholars refer to this strange phenomenon of Jesus wanting to keep his identity hidden as the messianic secret. The messianic secret. How and when did people begin to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah? Obviously, some of the people were mistaken. For some thought he was John the baptizer. Others thought he was Elijah. While others thought he was a He was Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus didn't literally wear a mask, and yet it's crucial for us to ask, who is this masked man? For clearly he didn't want his identity known right off the bat. Now at this point we need to acknowledge something we all know, and it is that today... Many, many people put on a mask to hide their true identity. Now, during the pandemic, we've all been wearing masks, uh, and we've kind of had it up to here with masks. And a lot of times, I haven't known who I was talking to until I heard their voice, because masks hide part of the face and our identity. This is true with our physical masks. But I'm talking here about something different. I'm talking about when people put on a mask to mask over something about themselves they'd rather other people not know. When people are sad, they often put on a happy face pretending nothing's wrong. When people are lonely or hurting and asked how they're doing, more often they respond by saying, oh, fine. Fine, fine, thanks. When people feel inadequate or incompetent, it's amazing how hard they work to put on the mask of appearing to have everything under control. Or when someone's feeling 
sick and unwell. I'm fine. I'm fine. Friends, if we were truly honest with ourselves, we would admit that there are times when we put on masks. Masks which, well, that allow us to hide and and keep others from seeing how and who we really are. With respect to Jesus' identity and the messianic secret, I suspect there was something very different going on. I don't think Jesus was trying to hide his inadequacies. Either he didn't feel the general public was ready to know who he truly was, and that if they were made known, if they if it were made known to them, they just wouldn't have been ready to accept him. Or since the gospels were written so many, many years after the events which they tell of, one could reason that the disciples didn't even know who he was at the time, but only in looking back through their experiences with him could they recognize him as the Christ. But since we'll never know for sure the answer to this messianic secret, that that is, why did Jesus want his identity held a secret, let's shift to the more important issue, which is his identity and ask ourselves, who is this masked man? So listen again to a portion of our text from Isaiah that B read for us, and how Isaiah envisioned the special one of God. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity, and as one from whom others hid their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Who is that masked man? Surely he's borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our aggressions, transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole and by his bruises we are healed, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Indeed, who is this masked man? In this day and age when we realize what a precious gift children are, and we see it all the time in the news and in other countries and in devastation and war-torn places like Ukraine. And, but even here, we realize how fragile the relationship is with children. Things we took, I took for granted when I was growing up. I could just go out and play without thought of being abducted or anything like that. It's a different world we live in now, where trust levels are low, for, in often cases for good reason. I want to share a story about a child lost. Her big brown eyes welling with tears, sad little Maria couldn't find her mother. One of the clerks in the store stopped to help, saying, Don't cry, we'll find your mommy. But all the little girl could say was that her mom was the prettiest woman in the world. The clerk scanned the crowd looking for this beautiful woman. He approached one attractive woman, but she wasn't the one. 
Finally, the child recognized her mother. She was short and stout, her coarse hair pulled back, her face wrinkled with concern. Mama, I told him you were the prettiest woman in the world, but he couldn't find you. The clerk was embarrassed, but the mother came to her daughter's defense. You should know that my daughter has perfect vision. (laughs) However, she doesn't see with her eyes. She sees with her heart. When Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? It was Peter, seeing with his heart who he really was. You are the Christ. You see, we have, we have two eyes. One only sees what moves in rushing time. The other, what is eternal and divine. It's interesting, this is the passage where Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church, and and we're looking at Peter and the Peter principles during Lent as part of our series. Um, I once heard a professor talk about the humor of Jesus. We don't think of Jesus being all that funny, but, but he... He uses this story as a way of illustrating the potential humor that Jesus had. Because let's not forget, Peter is the one who, with all his bravado, said, I will never deny you. And how many times did he deny him? Three times he denied him before the cock crowed. There were times when Peter, his faith just was disappointing. He tried to walk on the water, but he sank because he just didn't have enough faith. And, and there were times when, when Peter let Jesus down. It all depends on the inflection of the voice. Maybe Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. We'll never know for sure. But the Peter principles we're looking at have a lot to do with the importance of continuing on in the faithful journey of discipleship. It's not about perfection. It's not about perfection. The Peter Principle that we all know is where you you rise in in an organization one level too high to a level of incompetence. Well, Peter followed a Lord who lowered himself to the role of a servant, and climbed not the ladder of success, but the cross. What we learn today as part of the Peter principles, that is, those truths that Peter learned in his journey with Christ, is that when you see something special, say so. When you see something special, say so. Now we know from from all the terrorism of the last decade or two that We're supposed to, when we see something, we're supposed to say something. But here, in the journey of faith, when we see something special, we're supposed to say so. Peter could have kept silent. He could have waited for someone else to speak for fear of giving the wrong answer. He could have kept quiet and waited for Jesus to give the correct answer. But instead, he sensed something deep in his heart about who this special person was, and he said so. If we were to do more looking with our inner eye as opposed to our outer eye, 
we would see more of God's presence in others and in the world around us. Instead, we often take the masks as the real thing, missing the deeper realities and truths of life. Recognition is more than skin deep and has to do with more than the eyes. While driving through the college campus with his daughter, a father pointed to a long-haired figure and asked, Is that a boy or a girl? And the daughter said, Dad, you're not supposed to ask those kind of questions. But it's a boy. The father said, How can you be so sure? The girl replied, By the way my heart's beating. Who is that masked man? Peter's heart, I suggest, was beating with a different sensitivity because he saw something in Jesus and he said so. The poetess Elizabeth Barrett Browning knew something of this, this one idea of the Peter principle of saying something when we see something special. She wrote, Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only the one who sees takes off their shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. In the muddled mess of our world, with its confusion, boredom, and infatuation with the glitzy and superficial, we ought to be able to spot something special, an event, a person, a memory, an act, a turning of the soul, the flash of a bright insight, the surprise of caring compassion. Somewhere we ought to see something special and say so. When we are open to sensing God's presence, we ought to celebrate it and say it and even sing it when we can. Like the old Christmas spiritual, go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mount that Jesus Christ is born. You see, every time God's presence is perceived and received, Christ is born and can be recognized. So whenever you see an act of kindness, say so. Whenever you see an act of beauty, say so. Whenever you see an act of love, don't assume it's already been acknowledged, say so. Remember the discipleship principle of Peter. Whenever you see something special, say so. In a short time, we're going to be receiving new members. It's a very special time in our congregation and the life of our church. It celebrates new life among us. And we need to say so. We need to say so. Last Sunday, we celebrated communion. Sensing the divine presence in our participation at the table and saying so with the yes of our lives. You remember the story of the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They were walking along and, and this stranger accompanied them and he began to interpret the scriptures and after a while their hearts were burning within them and they invited him to come in for supper and as they broke bread, their eyes were opened, their inner eyes was open, and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. That's saying something 
special, saying yes to that. Who was that masked man? They must have asked themselves, did not our hearts burn as he interpreted the scriptures? And their inner eye recognized him and said so. In closing, I want to share with you a wonderful, wonderful story from the, from the muted voice of Helen Keller when she was a young girl. Because I, am, I, I persisted, she said, in asking all kinds of questions about God and Jesus, my teacher took me to Boston to see Phillips Brooks, the famous preacher. She felt that if anyone could answer my questions, he could. Her intuition did not fail her, for Brooks understood the heart of a child. She writes, He took me in his arms and placed me on his knee. And he told me in the simplest language how God loved me. And every one of his children, every single one of his children, no matter how different, he made God seemed so real to me that I said, oh yes, when he was asked, when he asked her if he knew who Jesus was, he, he asked her if she knew who Jesus was, she said, oh yes, I know him. I had just forgotten his name. I had just forgotten his name. And after that visit, my knowledge of the character and words of Christ grew every day. I felt more and more of his life deepening down into mine, and I found more and more to be glad of in the world. And what an inspiration Helen Keller became. When she saw something special, she said so. Oh, not the way we might, but perhaps even more deeply. So, who is that masked man? Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. And Peter said, you are the Christ. Does he offer a deep sense of forgiveness to you? Call him Savior. Does he help to keep you from evil? Call him Shepherd. Does he... Help to lift you out of the dark pits of life. Call him light and redeemer. Does he instruct you and offer an uplifting example? Call him teacher. Does he offer light when your direction is uncertain? Call him guide. And does he reveal God to you? Call him the Messiah, the Christ even as Peter did. And in so doing, follow him. Truly follow him with your very life. Friends, Christ is something very special. Let's say so. Amen.